This is Your Spiritual Game Plan, and I'm your host, Sherry Fletcher. Change. It happens to all of us. You've invested your time and energy into an important role, sometimes for years. Then suddenly, it's time for you to move on. Maybe you've worked hard on a dream, and now your path is taking a new turn, but that dream isn't going with you. Perhaps you've raised your kids and they've moved on, but now your empty nest is filled with parent care. Maybe you're in the middle of diaper changes and laundry piles. If you find yourself asking questions like, where do I fit in anymore? Am I even relevant? How do I find my purpose now? You are in the right place. This is a show for women in a season of transition. I believe that while your roles in life will change, your purpose is eternal. I'm here to help you understand just how intentionally you were made by a creator with a game plan. Through interviews and inspirational guests, we'll discover ways to help you unlock the purpose God placed in you, develop a game plan for your life's calling, and embrace the intentional masterpiece you were created to be. I'm so glad that you are joining me for part two of seeing rest as a strength and not a weakness with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. Today, she's gonna share a method that she uses to discuss the seven types of rest she has found lacking in the lives of those she encounters in her clinical practice and in her research. Dr. Sandra is an internal medicine physician, speaker, and author. And over 100,000 people have discovered their personal rest deficit by using her free assessment at restquiz.com. I'm so glad that you're joining me today, and I know you'll be blessed as we talk with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. We're going to be starting part two with Dr. Sandra, who's joining me today. Thank you so much for being willing to do this with me. I appreciate Happy having you. Thank you. So in part one, we just kind of covered a little bit area of the gift of rest, um, that it actually allows us to find our purpose that Christ has created in us. And mm -hmm. that rest um, is a, such a vital part of our relationship with Christ. And here in part two, we're going to be looking at um, one, the method that you have, which is R-E-S-T, and how that applies to the seven different aspects of rest and end our discussion um, briefly talking about the quiz that you have that is so detrimental to understanding the areas where your deficit in, in your um, rest. So start us off with that method and how you figured out the method of REST. Well, the, the method really is just a systematic way of kind of looking at each of the seven types of rest so that when you get to each one, you can start determining which one is the one you need to, to think about. So R is recognizing your risk. It's looking at your normal day, your situation, so that you can determine how do you pour out in that type of rest? You know, what type of interactions do you have throughout your day that may uh, increase your likelihood of having a deficit? And then E is evaluating your current risk. So after you've determined, okay, I'm at risk, because of whatever the situation is, you evaluate where you're at, what the level is. You know, are you just a little bit depleted in that area or are you already at burnout in that area? Mm -hmm. And then S is the science and the research. Um, and that's because I think that as a physician, I'm always wanting to make sure that patients or anyone that I work with understands why, the why behind it. 
you know, it's great to know that you have, let's say, diabetes or high blood pressure, but if you have no clue what that means or how, how it works, yeah. then it's very difficult to then educate that person on how to improve because, you know, you're kind of talking over their head at that point. So the, the S, the science and the research part, is really to kind of get people grounded so that they have some understanding of how these types of rest work. And then the T is today's application. There are actual, you know, two or three or four, depending on the type of rest, specific things that I suggest that people can do. They're different. Some of them are very different because what works for one person to restore them may not work for another person. Just like one blood pressure pill may not work for someone where, where it's great for someone else. So I like to give some variety on the ways that you can get each type of rest. That way you can try a couple and figure out which ones actually make you feel better. Yeah. And you take that method then into the seven types of rest um, mm -hmm. and break it, that method down through each rest that, you, that there are. So if you um, can, or I know you can, go through the seven <laughs> types. And I, give, <laughs> I know you can. <laughs> give us a glimpse into each one of the seven types of rest. Yes, well, I'll name them first because I think that helps just kind of get a big picture. The, the seven types are the physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, and creative. And so out of those, the three that most people are, you know, pretty well aware of or at least have heard of are the physical, mental, and spiritual. The physical mainly being things like sleeping as, as far as passive physical rest, and then active physical rest being things like massage therapy, leisure walks, um, stretching, anything that kind of relaxes the muscles or restores the circulation is a form of active physical rest. Then you have mental rest, which is the ability to kind of quiet that noise in your head. So it's getting your thoughts to, to stop the constant jumping around and you know the regurgitation of, of thought patterns and conversations. Many of us, we know when we have a a mental rest deficit because that's what we're experiencing. We try to go to sleep at night. It's like our brain won't shut up long enough for us to go to sleep. It just wants to keep going through whatever those thought patterns are. And so mental rest is getting that to quiet down. Uh, spiritual rest is the rest we get when we allow ourselves to really get intimate in a relationship with God. So it's not so much about religion, you know, so it's not Bible study or Bible reading. Those are, are excellent exercises to help you grow closer to God, but they are a form of work. You are processing things and it's a form of work. Spiritual rest is you're actually having a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. So it's that time spent in his presence without an agenda. It's that time where you stop praying and start listening. It's, it's, there's, it's a little different. And I think that's why sometimes you know, people will say, well, I don't know how I have spiritual rest deficit. I read my Bible every day and I do devotions. Yes, but do you ever just spend time with him? <laughs> because there's a difference. And I think that's just a, a really important kind of differentiation to how to have there with that. And then emotional rest is the rest that we receive when we allow ourselves to just be very authentic, to stop people-pleasing type behaviors, to take our mask off and not feel like we are performing all the time. Social rest is the rest that we get from life-giving people. So that's where it's helpful to kind of know how people pull on your social energy 
Are they people that you're having to always do things for, that are always requiring things from you, that are kind of negatively pulling on you? Or are they people that are pouring back into you and helping you feel restored and revived? And it doesn't mean the negative people are negative, because oftentimes those people that are pulling on you socially are the people you love most. That's your husband, your kids, your elderly parents. Your, your, if you're a doctor, it's your patients. If you're a teacher, it's your students. So those are the people who need things from you. So they're pulling on your energy, but it's not like a negative relationship. It's just draining your energy. So you also need to have those people that pour back into you. You know, that's the friend that you can call up who's not going to ask you a hundred questions or ask you for a favor, but it's going to listen to you. Just going to let you kind of, you know, tell, say whatever you've got to say, and they're going to talk it back and give you some positive feedback and pour back into you. And then the last two, uh, sensory rest, has to do with kind of removing some of that external uh, sensory input that we get all day long. It's the rest that comes when you're in times of silence or when you turn the lights off and you're not, you know, the bright lights aren't on anymore or you put your, your cell phone down for a while and you break away from some of the electronics and you let that sensory input downgrade so that they can get a, back to a calm state. And then last is creative rest. And that's the rest that we receive when we are, allow ourselves to be kind of awakened by beauty. When we allow beauty and creation around us, whether that's natural beauty, like the mountains and the oceans and the flowers, or creative beauty like a symphony or going to an art museum or something like that, when you let that, those moments kind of open you up to create something inside of you without putting a demand on your own creativity. So it's not like an art class where you have to, you know, put a demand on your creativity. It's going and appreciating beauty that's already present and letting it create something inside of you. That is awesome. That is so, I could just listen to that for hours. <laughs> I know, um, but it's just so true. And I think uh, I like what you say in the book, sleep is not necessarily rest and rest is not sleep. And that was huge for me to grasp that concept. And then to find in areas that uh, I would have thought, like you said, that um, spiritually deficit, um, I'm not spiritually deficit because I read and I study and I study, but but being still and just listening. Knowing, knowing. Just knowing that he exists. You know, you can, you can read the Bible and, and yes, you feel Holy Spirit and God speaks to you and instructs you and guides you. But sometimes he just wants to love on you. He doesn't want to have to always be telling you directions. You know, that gets, yeah. that gets to be a very one-sided feeling relationship. When all of the interaction is about, God, what's my next step? God, can you answer this prayer? You know, it's kind of like this business exchange we're going through. And sometimes he just wants to be the lover of your soul. He just wants you to lay with them and yeah. just to have some intimate moments together. And to be able to, what, what, um, what your book has done for me and, and the pivot that I had to take is starting to look, look for those ways, look for those little things. And, um, I went into the, to the public bathroom one day and there was a little card on the floor that says, has, has, have you been told how wonderful you are? Oh. <laughs> and I thought, oh, God's, God's talking to me in this, in this in lady's the bathroom. <laughs> but, but, but do you see those little things like that as legitimately God, God saying, okay, have you thought about how wonderful you are to me today? Or, you know, you see a billboard, have you looked at it and 
seen a sign that God is loving on you today that before I would have never been just in that mindset to look for those little things that, that God uses. Yes. I, I, I honestly, I feel like now, because that's kind of my mindset, you know, when, when, as a writer, particularly a Christian writer, you know, I end up doing a lot of research and study. So the Bible at times can become another research book almost because I'm diving and digging and I'm looking at the Hebrew and the Greek and all of these things. So it it really becomes like a study. And so, and that's how it got at one point when I was doing the most writing. And I really just had to get to a place where I started building a relationship back with God, because as, as much as I knew about the word, my relationship wasn't strong with him. And, and it's hard to trust someone who you don't have a really um, kind of intimate relationship with, where yeah. you feel like they love you. you. We know God loves us, you know, <laughs> but there's a difference when you know you're loved and when you feel like you're his beloved. Mm. It's a whole different way of uh, approaching life. And that was one of the biggest journeys for me, I think, during that time with sacred rest. I went from someone who knew, who believed God loved her and that Jesus died on the cross for her to someone who felt like his beloved. I mm. felt like every day he was showing up with, with ways of showing his beauty uh, to me as a gift to me. Yeah. You know, I think that's why I called it the gifts of, of rest because I felt like every day he was like, here you go. Look, yeah. look, did you see this? Wow, look over there. And there was like all these like tender moments with God. And they popped up out of the blue, just like you said. It's like all of a sudden I, I would I would start seeing things like that, and sometimes I'd break out in tears. And I'm like, yeah. look how much he loves us. <laughs> and I, I remember actually doing that one day. I was at I can't remember what I was doing or where I was at at that, this very moment, but I remember having one of those moments where I was just weeping because I'm like, look how much, look how intentional he is with his love if we're just paying attention. Ah. Uh. I love that. That that yeah, that is just so beautiful. So uh, let's before we wrap up, let's briefly talk about the quiz. Um, yeah. I know there's not a whole lot because people need to take it, and the link will be in the notes on the quiz. Um, but I will say that I scored in the high twenties on everything. <laughs> Thirty two in my men, my mental rest. <laughs> um, so kind of go over the quiz and a little bit about it, and then we'll have links again to that in the show notes. Yeah, so the quiz is at restquiz.com. And basically, it's a way for you to determine, you know, we talked about um, E and that rest method is evaluating your current risk. I found that that was the hardest part for people. You know, people would hear all seven and they're like, I need all of it. I'm just tired from top to bottom. And it's like, we all need all seven. But most of us have one or two that we really have a deficit in. And it's those one or two that's making us feel so bad. So if we can identify those specific areas with the greatest deficit, we can then focus our attention on getting those areas restored. And that's when you start feeling better and can kind of start flowing in more of a a well-rested kind of lifestyle, start incorporating some of the all seven, you know, throughout your day. And so when you take the quiz, that's what you get. You get an assessment of all seven it lets you know which one's the highest, which one's the lowest, which areas you need improvement on. And I, I really love that. I, you know, I find a lot of people take it more than once. I have some people who 
take, have taken it when the book first came out around 2018. And, you know, they already, you know, have really got a lot of, of healing and discovery about what they need in the form of rest. And then in these past few months with everything that's changed, they've taken it again because their, their input has changed. They're not going into the office right now or they're, you know, going in uh, less or all working from home. There's so many different dynamics that have changed. They retook the quiz to see, well, where am I now? Because, you know, yeah. I, I know where I was before, but where am I now? Because things are so different. I should take it over again, see where I, <laughs> I score now. That might be interesting. I need to do that. Well, thank you so much for coming on here, for blessing uh, my audience and anyone that's watching this with your knowledge. Um, I, when you're at work, I'll wrap this up. Um, how do you find your ability? How does God open the doors as a doctor to share his word and love in the medical profession? Um, do, do patients accept that? Uh, how are you able to do that? I think I'm very op open and upfront about my spiritual beliefs. Yeah. Uh, in every one of my exam rooms, I have daily bread, uh, you know, the little devotional book, mm -hmm. um, you know, stacks of them <laughs> in the room because I want patients to take them. Um, so I have them sitting there and it's front and center. It's the place where they have to sit. And so every patient is confronted with that when they walk into my, my exam room. And I do that on purpose because I want them to know who I am and I want them to be open to asking me anything, even if it's something related to faith. And so, you know, honestly, when I first got started in medicine, that was so taboo. And wow. once I became, you know, I've been practicing medicine for 20 years. So once I got to the point where I kind of had my own root practice and I, you know, had some, some tenure and kind of had some authority about what I could do with my office, that was the first thing that I demanded. <laughs> we put a prayer room in the office so that patients would have a place to pray, just like the hospital does. And we, and I, I put daily breads inside of my room. So I have patients that'll specifically ask me, you know, can we pray? Some of them wow. will go sit in the prayer room before or after their appointment or bring family members with them to, you know, all of us to pray if it's something that may, that, you know, cancer diagnosis, other things that we may be dealing with collectively. Um, I've always felt like this. I have atheists that come in who purposely come in to try to see if I will treat them or not. Um, and, you know, it's one of those situations where I'm always very upfront with them. I'm not going to, I'm not going to force my faith on you. Right. I'm going to pray for you when I leave this room and you'll never know about it. And there's nothing that you'd ever be able to do about that. If I want to pray for you, I'm never going to force you to have to be present with any faith activities I do, but my faith is a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. For me not to do that would be inauthentic. And, and when I talk about emotional rest, that's part of it. I cannot be inauthentic to who I am. And who I am is a woman of faith. So whether I pray for you in the room face to face, or I pray for you when I go to bed tonight, you're going to be prayed for. And I hope that's okay with you. And I've never had even one of my atheists say that they weren't okay with that. What they'll say is, well, I think that's a waste of time. But if you want to waste your time praying on me, then that's fine. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I don't think it's a waste of time. So, so I keep praying for it. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for your ministry and for um, not being silent and for listening to God and for the book and how many of this will reach. And thank you so much for spending time with me today. Oh, thanks so much, Sherry, for having me. <laughs> Bye.
thank you so much for joining me in part two. Seeing rest as a strength and not a weakness. Staying busy, that's easy. Staying well rested, now there's a challenge. So what kind of tired are you? You can take the free assessment at restquiz.com. You can learn more about Dr. Sandra at ichoosemybestlife.com and drdaltonsmith.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're new to this podcast, please click subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. You can also give it a rating and leave some comments. I'd love to hear from you on ideas and guests that you'd like to hear from and topics that you would like me to cover. You can reach out to me at sherryfletcher.com and also on Facebook at Sherry Fletcher. 